Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Art of Money podcast, where I share honest conversations about how money influences our personal experiences, beliefs, and relationships, infusing this taboo subject with a loving dose of dark chocolate and inspiring encouragement. I am Barry Tesler, a financial therapist, author, and creator of The Art of Money, which is my flagship program, year-long money school, and global community. Integrating money healing, money practices, and money maps, The Art of Money is my holistic framework, blending therapeutic, body-based practices with the real-life tools you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your relationship with money. So you can say goodbye to that dusty old budget and hello to healing your money life. Learn more on my website, barrytesler.com. For now, grab something to sip on, get comfy, and tune in to today's episode of the Art of Money podcast. So a few years ago, I started using the phrase money Cohen, and I started sharing it with my students in my year-long Art of Money program. And it was an idea that I had originally started to use in my own life. And then I brought it to my students and my community. So I'm really excited to share this with you today. And as you'll hear, this idea of a money koan is taken from the Buddhist tradition. I use it to refer to those riddles and paradoxes and questions that don't seem to have a simple answer. They ask us to grow and evolve so we can answer them. So in a long life, as I always say, if we have the honor of having one, we will face many, many money koans. So if you're in the middle of one right now, I really hope this helps. And if everything is calm and copacetic in your money world right now, congratulations. But overall, I really hope that this piece will help you reframe the money Cohen's from your past, and also help you get ready for any that are heading your way. Money Cohen. It's a phrase I've used for a while in the community of my year-long Art of Money program. When I see someone in a hard spot around money, I tell them I see your struggles as being their current money Cohen. It could be that they're struggling with the money belief or trying to understand a part of their money relationship that they haven't been able to work out yet. Maybe they haven't found a solution to some big money problem they're facing around money. Any big question they're holding in their mind around money, trying to crack the nut of, is a money koan. If you're not familiar with the word koan, K-O-A-N, it comes from the Zen Buddhist tradition. In Zen, it's defined as a paradox to be meditated upon that is used to train Zen Buddhist practitioners to abandon ultimate dependence on reason and to force them into gaining sudden intuitive enlightenment. I'm not Zen Buddhist, but wow, are some of the money challenges we all face quite paradoxical. Now, I'm not using Cohen in the traditional Buddhist sense but I find that it's a powerful, useful metaphor to use when doing money work. In a sense, when you sit with a money koan long enough and solve it, you definitely experience a sudden moment of intuitive financial enlightenment. And who wouldn't mind a little more of that? 
I think we all have money Cohen's to work on and solve at different points in our lives. Money conundrums, money riddles, money mysteries that have yet to be solved. I see them as tension places in our relationship to money, places that we need to understand, turn inside out, unravel, and find a key to unlock the treasure. Einstein once said, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with the problems longer. That's exactly the kind of focus I'm referring to when money, with money coins, sitting with a problem or the mystery long enough that you solve it. Ultimately, I believe we can always find solutions, new possibilities, and new ways to do things around money, even when stress is high or things seem impossible in the moment. In my own life, I've certainly had my stuck moments and crying moments and moments where I just can't find the key to unlock a money Cohen until I suddenly do. When the answer comes, it's magic, and I'm incredibly grateful that I've finally broken through and found an answer. Suddenly, I'm seeing a whole new way to do something that solves my current money Cohen. Hard work, intention, and magic all come together in one moment, and the Cohen is solved. It reminds me of another great Einstein quote, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So, for the sake of all of our sanity, let's keep sitting with our money coins until we solve them and find a new path to take. I believe that you can find new solutions you've not thought of before. I believe that you can find your way through the biggest money challenges you'll ever have to face. I believe that magic is possible. Why? Because in my life, even my most stubborn money Cohen's eventually open up and reveal an answer I couldn't even see at the start. I've seen it time and time again in my own financial challenges and those of the hundreds and thousands of people that go through the art of money each year. So here are some money Cohen's in real life. So let's bring it down from the realm of concepts into practical life. What do these Cohen's look like on the ground? Here are a few snippets of stories from my own journey around money to give you a sense of what I mean by money coins. Why am I pointing these examples out and why are money coins important? Because once you learn to spot your own money coins, I found that just using this Cohen metaphor reduces the level of financial stress that people feel when they're facing these big money challenges. Somehow just labeling them as a money Cohen seems to bring some level of peace. Like, okay, this is just a big money riddle, and if I sit with it long enough, I will solve it. Here are a few stories of big money riddles I've had to sit with and have eventually solved, despite the fact that when I had these problems, I wasn't sure if I would ever, ever, ever solve them. So money Cohen example number one. One of the first big money Cohen's came when I was in my late 20s. I was making $11 an hour as a counselor in the mental health field. I'd recently graduated with a master's in psychology, but I wasn't yet ready to start a private practice. Up until this point in my life, I hadn't made more than $11 an hour, nor had I gotten above the $2,000 a month level of income. And oh, did I want to get above that level so badly at this time and phase in my life. I wanted to have the freedom to do things like bring an abundance of good organic dark chocolate to potlucks or to be able to afford 
self-care for myself, like acupuncture and chiropractic and massages and other alternative healing. And at my income level at that time, none of that was really possible. I sat in the tension and the stress of it all, and it became a money koan. How do I break through this money ceiling? That was the question that I asked at that time. That was the new question that I had asked at that time. Sitting with that koan felt like staring at a brick wall, which I've heard is actually a thing that happens in Zen meditation retreats, staring at a wall while you meditate on the koan that your teacher has given you. Here I was with a master's degree in somatic psychology, and I was only making $11 an hour through cell phones. Though cell phones and texting didn't exist back then, it was definitely a WTH moment. I briefly considered starting a movement to rally against the culture and how our society values this type of social work and caretaking. I was passionate about helping people and felt this work could add so much to making our world a better place. And yet our culture didn't agree with me to the same degree, which meant that someone with a master's degree in this social work field and mental health fields could only make $11 an hour. I raised my fists in anger a lot, but, but <laughs> I did soon realize, I don't know how many months it was, that fighting that fight was just simply not my life's calling. So I took a different approach with this Cohen and asked, what can I do differently here? Anything? What are any or all of my options? Can I get a raise? Where else can I work to earn more? I wound up doing two very different things. One, I took a part-time job in an accounting department learning bookkeeping. At 13 an hour, yes, I broke through the $11 an hour barrier and quickly moved to $15 per hour. It felt like a brand new stepping stone job for me. Then I learned QuickBooks and moved up to $20 an hour and then $25 an hour. It was definitely a hallelujah, thank the gods, so grateful moment for me. So not only was I making more money than I'd ever made, but this also became the seed for my life's work, sharing the message of the art of money with the world. Number two, the, the, the second thing that I did differently was I also took an extra job doing overnight hospice care to move beyond the $2,000 per month ceiling. I knew the answer to this particular money cone wasn't always going to be to take an extra job, but in this moment, that was the right answer. So I became aware of my riddle, my puzzle, my big stuck place. I... I dared myself to, I challenged myself, I bravely asked different questions, new questions that I had never asked before. How can I break through this money ceiling? Show me different options. And then wound up choosing two new options that I had never thought of before, that I never thought I would do, and they became really essential stepping stone um, jobs and work for me that propelled me into the next place. They weren't, they weren't, you know, like my ideal job at or position at that time, but they were what I call mid-tier. It wasn't something I hated. It wasn't ideal, but it was something in the middle. So it was a really important stepping stone for me that helped me move through um, some of the money ceilings and the particular money column that I was going through at that time.
So here is my money Cohen example number two. So another money Cohen arrived at my doorstep about nine years ago, right after I delivered my son. Uh, this is about nine years ago. And what happened after that was, you know, I always say that in any big life moment um, or, you know, in our journey, there's going to be hopefully a lot of beautiful and easeful moments, and we're also going to get some hard moments and challenging moments, you know. So while I was able to conceive really quickly and had a pretty decent pregnancy, um, for me the hard and challenging moments came in my labor, and we had a big complication, and thank God I was able to get to the hospital in time, and I made that call to, (laughs) I told my midwife and my husband, we're going to the hospital now, and I got us there in time. I got myself there, myself and my child there in time. Um, But after uh, the birth of my son, I was in a huge recovery phase. And that's when this new money Cohen arrived because, uh, you know, the questions were, how am I going to work Um, even close to what I was doing before? How can I continue my work? And because before I had my son, I was overseeing a team of bookkeeping trainers and financial coaches and was leading my groups. I was living in California at the time and driving, you know, three days a week, one night to San Francisco and one night to Oakland and one night to Marin. And then I was teaching a telecourse and also I was overseeing this team. And and now here I was um, post-birth of my child in a full-on recovery and now we're living in Boulder, Colorado, and I just really knew I was in the middle of a money Cohen, I was in the middle of a riddle, and then I had to ask some new questions in a different way than I had ever asked them before. And so it was, okay, I'm not going to I'm not able to work 40 to 60 hours a week anymore, which I love to do. I had tons of energy. I didn't have a child, you know, now here I was on the other side of having a child and um, was in a big recovery phase. So there was no way I was working 40 to 60 hours or even close to that. We were crazily, I was crazily sleep deprived because my son wasn't a sleeper until he was three years old. Um, There were a lot of limitations and challenges that were happening. And so I had to ask new questions. And the new questions that came up were, you know, how can I continue to do my work? Um, what, What are the amount of hours that I can work? Um, can I switch my entire um, practice and work from being live as it was in the Bay Area with an entire team that I was overseeing to uh, staying at home and putting all my work online and coming back to a one-woman show? Was that even possible? You know, because you're supposed to grow every year, and here I was clearly not in a growth year. I was in a simplify year. Could I be okay with that emotionally, psychologically, um, financially? How are we going to make it through, you know, this time? How was I going to go from 40, 60 hours a week overseeing a whole team, getting a percentage of that income to going to a one-woman show, you know, seeing what I could do in 10 hours a week because I was in recovery and because I was so sleep-deprived? And so another question that came up that was new was, what do I love to do the most? And what can be the most lucrative? And 
seems like simple questions, but I had never asked them before. You know, I had never held those questions side by side, and I did. And what came up for me was I could teach my group program um, online via a telecourse. I had started doing that a year or two before I had my child, so I would had some experience with that. And could I do that, and could I increase, you know, the amount of students in my class because that was the only thing I was doing? And could I do that crazily sleep-deprived? Um, and I did. Um, I did the best that I could. I taught two classes um, each year for two years and had about 50, 60 students, where when I was teaching live, my classes were much smaller. They were around 10 people, eventually moved up to 20 people. But so here I was able to teach two classes a year via telecourse, online, 50 to 60 students, and I was able to do that while I was in recovery and get myself through that time. And yes, it was, you know, some years are um, increased income, so earning more and then giving more and saving more, and some years are just hoping to live within your means, some years are you know, barely holding on, treading water, and we were in an enormous transition year and had to really name it as such and honor it and know we would not be here forever and know that these first few years of our son's life were really precious and my health was really precious if I was going to recover and come out, you know, strong again. And so we had to simplify in every single possible way, um, simplify from, you know, um, how our lifestyle and how we were living, and we did that for a few years. We did that for two years um, before I even started sleeping again, you know, and started having some energy again, and then moved more into a growth phase. But during this time, um, this particular money colon that was coming up felt um, intense. They all do. It was filled with tension, was filled with, I'm going to be stuck here forever for the rest of my life, and I'm never going to get out of this. And that's never really the case and so we had to really you know honor it name that we're in a huge transition name that we hold that we won't be here forever um, see what new and different questions we could ask be open to the answers um, and solutions and be open to following them at that time and that's what we did and then that phase eventually led us to a whole new phase which I'll talk about next so here is Money Cohen example number three. So to piggyback on the last Money Cohen when I had my son nine years ago and the Cohen and the riddle and the challenge that we were going through at that time and the questions that we asked and how we needed to make it through and then fast forward, my son is now four years old and I'm sleeping, yay! And which was amazing. At three years old, my son started sleeping, and now he can sleep until nine, nine or even ten o'clock every day. He he has shifted into my <laughs> sleeping cycle, and which is wonderful. So here we are. My son's four. So in my son's younger years, he's nine now. It was always what age was he at, and what was I able to do, or what did I want to do at that time, and what was happening. So we had a money Cohen, you know, four years prior that we moved through. And um, at age two, I created a home study program um, so that I was selling a product online. And I started really, you know, growing my work online. At that, at that time, I started opening up my financial therapy slots again. And 
I had more energy and I was willing to work more than 10 hours a week. You know, I eventually moved it to 15 and then 20 and then 25 and so on, right? And that was, you know, uh, coinciding with uh, when my son was going to preschool and then kindergarten and so on, right? So here we are. He's four years old. We're all sleeping. And um, I was at that time um, doing a a hybrid coaching program. So I did it was it was part it was a three month conscious bookkeeping class online and everyone would get my home study program, um, which was pretty thorough. You know, I had spent an entire year creating that with the team. And and so every few months I was opening up that program. And for some reason this particular year it was starting to feel hard. You know, when I for years, I've been doing this work for many, many years. It would have been over a decade, 12 years then. And back in the day, I would open up my six-week class every six weeks, you know, and had to register people. And it just felt easier somehow back then, maybe because I was only going for 10, but I still was having to go through the registration process over and over and over. So this time, I was starting to feel that registration was becoming more launching and it was becoming more intense and it was becoming more of a push. And every few months I had to do it and it was becoming challenging to fill an online class with 50 to 60 people. Sometimes it felt like, you know, I was getting 51, sometimes I was getting 45. It just, I was having trouble and it was feeling very intense and pushing, 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 pushing. At the same time, my husband, um, after working for other companies and in the tech world, and we were living in California, he was starting his own business, his own online business. And so he was opening up his program every few months. And so we were alternating, and the house became this ongoing, never-ending launch that I was starting to lose my mind over. And, um, you know, his... He had a really good first launch that year, and then his second launch, he happened to do it right on top of elections. And even though the elections back then went, um, you know, how we wanted them to and we were all so happy, everyone's attention was on the election. And so the second one didn't go as well. And so here we were just, what are we doing? You know, something needs to change here. Uh, We're in a new money cohen. We're in a new riddle that is not feeling good, there's a lot of tension, it's feeling hard, it's feeling like we're pushing, it's time to ask new questions. And I just know, you know, I've worked hard, and hard work, I, b- I believe in hard work. And, um, and, and at the same time, I also believe in hard work leads to these wonderful moments of opening and magic and ease as well. But it's not like it's not a linear line. It's not like you work really, really, really hard and then you have ease for years to come, right? It's there's ebbs and flows, there's ups and downs. So after lots of hustle and some, you know, lots of hard work, it just was feeling like something is off here. You know, we know. Um, and the options were to keep pushing and to keep doing what we had already been doing, or to ask new and different questions. So. The new and different questions that I started asking were, um, how can I do my work differently at this time? So I felt like I was ready for a slightly new business model um, and one that was more sustainable. So 
the business model that I had in California, overseeing a team of bookkeeping trainers and financial coaches and teaching my groups and having a business partner, that was a very sustainable business model. It was great at the time. When I went back to One Woman Show after I had my son um, and we simplified, that was you know, a bit of a maintenance few years, and it wasn't a growth year, and I was starting to want to grow again and it was growing slowly. But I was ready to hit, after four years again, as a one-woman show, I was ready to hit a sustainable business model again. So my questions were, you know, how can I do this differently? Um, can this be more um, uh, open? Can I feel more open? Can I feel more ease? Can I feel less masculine in how I'm doing these registration periods? Can I shift the energy here? I didn't know the answer to any of these questions. I didn't even know, can I really shift the energy? How does that look? How does that feel? What does that even mean? But I asked these questions. And in a flash, at one point, at the end of that year, um, I got the vision for a year-long program. I knew I already had the content because I had been teaching my work. I think it was, let's see if I'm on... 16 years now, so this is about 12 years, right? I've been teaching my work for 12 years. I had the material. I had 12 months of content and exercises. Um, I already had the whole curriculum laid out. I just needed to reach out to new people to be guest teachers in the program, and I wound up pretty quickly um, with my virtual assistant at the time, who is more of an online business manager, we put together the whole year-long program. And here are a few other things in this mix. Was I wanted to be as generous as possible with my content. That was another question I put out there. How can I be as generous as possible with my content um, while also honoring my time and energy and health and resources and, and then... So how can I be the most generous with content? And also, I felt I was ready. I had matured. I was turning 44. The community felt like it had grown and matured. And I felt like we were all ready for the year-long program. And I, I was ready for more students. So I was ready for um, more students than 50 or 60 in a group. And then so here was another question. How do I do that? You know. And I had the idea to lower my price point, which really goes against um, oh, a lot of things in the coaching world of you know how to price things, and you're always supposed to be raising your prices and and charge what you're worth, and all of that BS that I don't I don't agree with and believe in. And so in this moment, I said, you know, I've been charging mid price points, you know, for three months. Course, I've been charging around $550, $600, $700. What if I lowered my price point on a monthly basis? Um, what if I moved it to $88 a month, right? And I usually like set numbers like $90 or $500 or $150. I don't like to play around with numbers in that way, but I kept getting that 88 because I love this, the infinity symbol. Um, was the number. So I decided to change the price, you know, or move it to an $88 a month price point. And we opened the doors in January, and this whole vision was concocted, conceived, concocted, created, um, set up, designed, you know, in November and December, and then was opened on my birthday, January 3rd. 
and we opened in the month of January, and we wound up um, getting 320 students, um, which increased the amount of students um, by a huge percentage. Um, it increased the income and revenue by a huge percentage. It allowed me to meet my goals of being as generous as possible with my content and curriculum. It allowed me to meet my goals of honoring time and energy and health because I could, um, you know, it was a slower pace over the year-long program. I can get into the private Facebook group whenever I have space at 10 o'clock at night if I want to, on a Sunday if I want to answer a question. Um, it met so many um, of the goals and it answered so many of the questions and the riddles and the stuck places that I did not know if it was possible um, to come up with solutions for. And so, you know, that day, January 3rd, um, I stepped into a whole new teaching model and business model, the year-long program, um, which has become my favorite format, my favorite teaching format, um, and the most lucrative and sustainable business model that I've had yet, even more lucrative than when I was overseeing a team. Um, and getting a percentage of that. And so I'm now five years into that business model, and I'm incredibly grateful that even though I felt incredibly stuck and felt like I was staring at a brick wall um, and didn't think there was any hope or possibility of change, or I didn't know, you know, and so I just started with I don't know, <laughs> but I believe that there's always solutions. I believe that I can get answers. Um, some take a few months, some take years. This one came pretty quickly. They they don't always do that. But I was willing to sit down and ask new and different questions and got new and different solutions. Money Cohen example number four. Sometimes money Cohens take years to solve. Crazy, but true. For about three years, my husband and I had been sitting with this new money Cohen. How on earth are we going to be able to buy a bit of land and build our super sustainable off-the-grid earthship home in our beloved home base of Boulder, Colorado? We had never owned a home or built a home. We had been renting for so many years. It felt like the right life and financial decision at the time to be renting. And then at some point, owning a home was put on our ultimate lifestyle dream list, and we started going after it to figure out how in the world we were going to be able to to make this dream come true. And it felt like a huge money Cohen. So after talking about this money Cohen from every single angle possible, doing research on building codes and chopping for land, we realized that we may need to take an intermediate step in reaching that earthship dream, such as buying a house or a townhome in the Boulder market. Soon after we realized that, this money Cohen had a part B to it. How are we going to buy a home in the crazy, fast, competitive, expensive Boulder, Colorado market? As we continued to sit with this one, I watched my mind try to work with this big riddle. I watched myself tell some really challenging stories about our situation. And those worn-out tapes kept playing over and over and over. We had a clear intention that we were holding, but we still needed to work out some major kinks. Forrest and I started having ongoing weekly conversations about where else could we move to that might give us a similar combination of good people, lifestyle, landscape, culture, and environmental factors. 
Some of our friends in Boulder chose to move away from the area years ago to buy land and homes in other locations that were much less expensive. Being up against a seemingly immovable, unanswerable koan like this one, we too started thinking about moving to another area of the country to make our dream of building a home in Urship a reality. There are so many other wonderful places to live, but we kept coming back to Boulder, Colorado as the top option for us for many reasons. We knew we'd be paying more to have a chance to experience the things we want to stay here for, but that's where our hearts kept leading us back to. Boulder is simply our home. In our weekly conversations about this Cohen, we talk about how important building or buying a home is, where it fits in with our values and priorities right now, and where it fits in with this phase of our life. My husband, Forrest, searched for houses and land online for a full year. He kept looking for land because he wouldn't let go of the dream that we'd find a perfect little piece of land right here in Boulder to build our dream or ship on. He tracked homes in our price range and watched how fast they sold, what they sold for, and read up on the Boulder real estate scene so we'd be prepared with knowledge if we ever figured out how to get all the pieces in place to buy a home here. In the meantime, we continued to grow our art of money business revenue, but we didn't know if we were going to be able to get everything together in time to get into the market before the home prices were too far out of our reach. Then, our business consultant, whom we had hired a few months you know, previous to that to do some branding and marketing work, sent us an email out of the blue. And it said, I'm not sure if you're ready for this right now, but I think you should go look at this house. And here's where the intention and magic comes in. During our very first meeting with her, she had asked us what was our big dream in our lives. And we said it was to own a home and build an earthship. Somehow, she took that dream of ours and placed it in her magician's cauldron and started stirring the pot. Three months later, she sent us that email about the house she found in her neighborhood. As soon as we walked up, I knew it was the home for our family. And not only did she send us to the house, but she also sent us to her trusted realtor as well. We hit it off immediately with the realtor who just also happened to know my first money mentor, Tamara Slayton, from years and years ago. And the realtor took us right over to an incredible bank and lender in town. The lender was at a great credit union, and he totally understood entrepreneurs and the Boulder lifestyle. I suddenly turned into Miss Jaguar and was ready to pounce. It was our time to finally buy our first home. I knew that time was of the essence with this situation, and the vision of owning a home like this was totally crystal clear in my mind. Me, as the big cat, was ready to make things happen. And happen they did. Within a 36-hour whirlwind of an experience, we got pre-approved for a loan. After a big analysis of two years of our tax returns, credit scores, and savings, we made an offer to the seller and the very next morning, our offer was accepted. <laughs> they were not kidding when they said that things move very fast in the Boulder, Boulder real estate market. The magic of this event was off the charts for us. We could not have asked for all of the details to line up any better than they did. And this was a money koan that took three Years. So some of my previous money Cohen examples took 
oh, a few weeks, <laughs> a few months. And this one was an example of a money koan that we had to work on for a good three years before uh, it all came together. And in one moment, all the hard work, all the research, all the intention, everything that we did that led up to it, all the questions that we asked in new and different ways were suddenly in one instant, one moment answered. And we stepped across the threshold and bought our first home that we wake up in and every day we are incredibly grateful for. So here are four ways to work with the money, Cohen. I know you're thinking, okay, Barry, this is all well and good, but how am I supposed to work with my own money, Cohen's? Have I ever told you how insightful you all are? This is a very good question, and here are a few thoughts on how to work with your own money Cohen's. Number one, make your Cohen's living questions. Meditate on them. Hike on your favorite trails with them in mind. Sit with them on your meditation cushion. Name them in the shower or in the tower or with flowers. <laughs> Ask them over and over as a mantra. Set the clear intention. Live them, know them, breathe them. Stay with the problem. The answers will eventually come. Number two, what is your money ceiling? Let me say that again. What is your money ceiling? Really, name it because it needs to be named. What's the amount of money that you've not been able to make more than? What is the most you've made hourly or monthly? What is the most you've made over a quarter of a year or over a year period? Now brainstorm creative options for bringing in more money, even if the options feel totally out there, not possible in this moment. Just let your creativity flow here. Get out your journal and write, write, write. Let your mind go and just write out any option that comes to you. Number three, how does your current money Cohen fit with your three-tier money map? You've heard me talk about money maps, right? They're like Google Maps, only cooler, and they're for your financial life. If you haven't heard about money maps, please go to my Art of Money book. Please go to my blog and Google Barry Tesler Money Maps. You'll be able to see that this is my version of a budget. So I like to map things out in three tiers. I call them basic needs is your first tier and comfortable lifestyle is your second tier and ultimate lifestyle is your third tier. Okay. So how does your current Money Cohen Riddle Challenge fit within your values and priorities right now? How will each of the solutions you come up with affect your lifestyle level right now? Or how soon you'll reach the next level you desire to reach? Number four, talk about your Money Cohen with your friends. In traditional Zen Cohen practice, you don't talk about your current Cohen with your friends 
whether they're fellow Zen practitioners or not. You only talk about it with your teacher called a Roshi, but it's not the kind of conversation where you'll get a lot of help in solving the riddle. You have to solve it on your own because that's the only way the deeper spiritual insights will stick with you. With money koans, though, I feel it is important to remember that these aren't mind-stopping Zen koans. They're living, breathing life questions that you're trying to answer. And one of the best ways to answer them is by talking them through with friends who are good listeners. So even though I'm borrowing a practice from the Zen tradition and bending it metaphorically, you don't need to get all Zen with your money koans and try to solve them alone while staring at a wall. Talk to your friends and intimate partners and life coach and therapist and anyone that you feel safe with having these hard conversations with. Engage with people about your money koan because the answer to it may come from an unexpected source. So money koans, it's a simple little metaphor, but try it on for size and see if it helps you move through and even solve your next big money challenge with greater ease. And if you have a big money koan that you're sitting with right now, keep going. Keep sitting with it. Find the grit deep down inside of you to stick with it no matter what. The answer will come, my friend. I know it will. Hi again. Thank you so much for joining me today. What you heard here is a delicious sample of the loving guidance, heartful inspiration, and practical tools you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. I hope you found something here to take with you a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your own money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, please pack your financial goals, soul deep aspirations, and grab your favorite person. You can find out more at barrytesler.com. <laughs>